We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. Well, it looks like all the playoff participants have punched their tickets to the postseason. As a result, on today's episode, we're going to narrow our focus to these teams only. We plan to take a deeper dive and look at the depth charts and injury issues for each of these clubs as they prepare for their first-round matchups, many of which are still unknown. We do have a few uh, that we do know. Uh, Carolina at Nashville. Hurricanes won the season series 6-2. to two. Uh, Florida versus Tampa Bay Panthers winning that series five, two and one Pittsburgh and the Islanders with the Penguins, uh, taking that series as well, six to two. And then Washington versus Boston Bruins lead the series four, one and two. They'll wrap that one up tonight. The other matchups still need a couple games left to fully decide who is playing who. But otherwise, uh, we're getting real close here, Paul, to some playoff hockey. Absolutely. We understand that the playoffs will begin on Saturday of this week with Boston and Washington matching up in game one of that set. Great news for our listeners, though, as AJ and I have agreed to bring you a full playoff preview episode of PuckCast this coming Friday, May 14, to get you ready for the playoffs and before any playoff pucks are dropped. I think it's the fairest thing to do, and my partner has graciously agreed to do a second episode in in the same week. We've never done that before in the history of our show, but we want to give you the best coverage we can as we get ready for the postseason. 
Uh, so on this week's show, we're going to do our usual sweep around the league, but only going to talk about the 16 teams that are making it to the postseason. So we'll go a little bit deeper into their, each of their situations. And uh, this week, partner, you go first, and we are not talking about the teams in the A's. We're going to start off with the Boston Bruins. So for our purposes today, let's look at the injuries, top three lines, top two deep pairs, and maybe the goalie split going forward. We'll knock all these things around for each team as we highlight the hot players and cold players from each week as we usually do. So AJ, run us through your early thoughts for the Boston Bruins who currently sit third in the East Division. Yeah, so with the with the uh the Bruins here, you know, they uh are led of course by what is commonly known as the perfection line. Uh it starts with the the guy that Paul has banned from being mentioned on the show on the left wing, Patrice Bergeron <laughs> in the center, and then David Pasternak on the right. Um, that, you know, they're, they're one of the best, uh, best lines in the league. They're hard to match up with. They gel well together. Um, and actually their second line, I think is where they're going to create more matchup problems. People are used to trying to figure out how to match up with that, that first group. Uh, it's the second line. That's a little more of a handful in my opinion, when you've got Taylor Hall on the left, David Krejci on the right. And for now, Craig Smith on the, uh, or I'm sorry, David Krejci in the center, Craig Smith on the right. Um, you know, I, I think Craig Smith is probably the most likely of, of anybody if somebody's going to get bounced. Although, um, you know, he, he's currently bogged down in like a five game pointless streak. So there's opportunities there. I know they had high hopes for Jake DeBrusque potentially filling in this role. So I would, you know, put him in the category of possibilities there. Andre Kasha is another name that would come up. Now, he was out for like 52 games, 53 games with a concussion issue plays uh, Monday and then it gets hurt again. So that's a pretty big uh, blow for them. It's not immediately clear whether or not that's related. They, although you have to be a little worried there as they call it an upper body issue. So I think he's also maybe an option if, if healthy, um, Charlie Coyle is also dealing with an injury. So uh, he's potentially going to miss the first game or two of the postseason. So uh, that right wing on the second line is a little bit up in the air. And I think it creates really uh, a, an underwhelming third line here for Boston and Nick Ritchie, Sean Corrali and Chris Wagner. You know, I would like to see Craig Smith kind of being the right wing guy on that third line with somebody else stepping up to the second, the back end is pretty much uh, what you would expect. You know, John Moore has been out for most of the season. Kevin Miller has been in, in and out of the lineup, but mostly as a bottom six. The, the top four here, Matt uh, Grzelczyk and Charlie McAvoy on the first pairing, Mike Riley and Brandon Carlo on the second. Most of the offense is going to come out of McAvoy. Carlo is capable uh, in, in past seasons, has been capable of chipping in a pretty uh, rough year for him, although he only played 27 games after being headhunted by Tom Wilson, always a chance to take a shot at him. Uh, so there could be some fireworks in this, in this series between Washington and Boston, um, but in the pipes, I think it'll be Tuka Rask primarily, but they've been really impressed. It seems with Jeremy Swayman and his, you know, kind of uh, understudy appearances while Rask and Halak were out. And I think he figures to be the next man up if Rask struggles at all. So that's kind of how I see Boston Paul, any additional thoughts on, on that group? Well, they have to be thrilled with the additions that they made at the tra uh, trade deadline, AJ. Taylor Hall was stuck on two goals and a handful of assists, and he's been about a point-a-game player with eight goals and four, six assists and 
16 games since the trade deadline. So he's fit in like a glove here, and he's already talking about re-upping with the Bruins next season if they can squeeze him in under the cap. But equally good news on their back end with Mike Riley fitting in and giving them an even more abrasive look on the blue line with some some uh, offensive skills as well they've rejigged their offensive pairings in the last week or so to get maybe they get ready to ready for the postseason AJ they've got Grizzlick and McAvoy uh, looking like they're going to pair up on a, on a supercharged offensive pairing and then maybe the Riley Carlo pairing looks like a real shutdown uh, group so uh, changing the look rather than having one puck mover and one physical guy on the first two pairs they've they've uh, doubled down on the offense on the first pair defense in the second pair so i'm curious to see how that uh, shakes out tuka rask has been used sparingly down the stretch but uh, he's well rested now and looks to uh, get into top form with uh, the, the remaining tilt uh, scheduled for tonight and uh, jeremy swayman probably has has kind of taken over the backup role here halak has seemed to have lost a little bit of favor with his injury woes this season and swayman has taken the opportunity to pass him on the depth chart in my opinion but uh, let's face it this gonna this team's gonna rely on tuka rask and he might be the guy that carries the ball every time the bruins suit up in the postseason so uh i like what they did at the trade deadline and they really have a second line that looks like it's going to be a good offensive group in support of that fantastic first unit and uh, you can say the left winger's name i won't if if you want going forward (laughs) i'll give you that i'll give you that benefit going forward uh up next we'll take a look at the carolina hurricanes they sit first in the central division and uh, that's a bit of surprising news when you consider tampa is in that group too but carolina has held them off and looks like they will they have clinched the, that first place in the division, and uh, they've got a healthy Toivo Teravainen. He was out for a lengthy period of time, but he looks uh, back in good shape uh, on the top line on the right wing, forming a great partnership with Sebastian Ahu, who's had an outstanding year. The beneficiary of all this at the moment is Warren Fogel, who will be a cheap DFS option for DFS play as long as he lines up on left wing on that top line. Vinny Trocek has kind of solved their long-standing woes of finding a second quality setter i i've always touted this guy as a real good puck mover and the ideal uh, just like Krejci in boston to fill that key role and he's uh, partnering up with nino niederreiter who has finally found a home i i can say with some certainty and his offensive skills are thriving here and uh we'll we'll look for him to continue what he's done in the regular season playing a very strong offensive game there and really working well with Trocek and Marty Netzkatch has had a great rookie season AJ this speedster has has uh, filled in on the right side on that second line played a scoring line role all season long been a very consistent value in DFS play I found and uh, solidified that top six so it looks pretty good there depth scoring here will come from the likes of Jesper Fast and Jordan Martinuk on that third line. I, I'm a little concerned about the center situation with Jordan Stahl out of the lineup right now. And uh, he is dealing with an undisclosed injury, and they're hopeful that he gets back in the, in the lineup. If he does, I feel a lot better of the center line depth because it'll be Drew Shore manning the fourth line role over there. And uh, then on the fourth line to wrap things up uh, offensively, we're hoping that maybe Andrei Svechnikov comes into the lineup. He might even threaten to move up in the roster. He's been up and down in terms of scoring consistency and the same can be said for Brock McGinn so they have depth that that will fill out four quality lines if they want to go that route in the postseason and roll them uh, almost equally on the blue line 
that's where some issues do exist. Dougie Hamilton, Brett Pesci nicked up right now. They're hoping that they get back in the lineup as well as Jordan, Jacob Slavin. Maybe it's more of a rest situation in a couple of these cases, but the injuries don't seem major at this point from my perspective. And uh, Jake Gardner hoping to solidify a top four, but maybe that task will be left to more uh, more dependable guy like uh, Brady Shea. So again, there's depth on the blue line just as there is at forward. And uh, in goal behind them, a healthy Peter Morazic looks to me to be the guy that they're going to lean on in the goaltending matchups uh, to start the playoffs. Alex Nedeljkovic has had a fine year and makes for a very good number two should Morazic falter in any way. And it'll depend on how the, the schedules shake down in the playoffs. I don't know how condensed they will be for the postseason. We haven't seen anything yet, but they do have a defendable number two here behind Morazic should he falter or slip up or need a rest. Well, for my, you know, first off, uh, you know, to address, you know, Hamilton, Pesci, Slavin, Stahl, Sveshnikov, all five of those guys were listed as being out with rest. Now, that doesn't mean they're not dealing with uh, some bumps and bruises. So I I, I would imagine if that game, uh, you know, that season finale last night had mattered, uh, that those guys would have played. Absolutely. So that's that's a big, uh, big boost to them. You know, you're talking about, yeah, there's some great depth guys that they have here um, on their on their blue line, but they're not replacing Hamilton, Pesci and Slavin. By any stretch of the imagination. So, um, and for my part, you know, I, I agree. It looks like they're going to go back to Morazic. Uh, he got shelled last night to the tune of five goals, uh, you know, in, in a losing effort. So that could be, you know, we just mentioned three of their top six were all uh, rested last night. So that can certainly be a factor. But for my money, I think that would be a mistake. I think Nadelkovich really showed. Um, that he has what it takes. Yeah, putting a rookie netminder in between the pipes in the playoffs, it would be a bold move. Um, but I, I really think it's one that Rod Brindamore needs to seriously consider, especially on the heels of that performance uh, last night. In Colorado, you know, we know the big names at the top. It's Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, and Miko Rantanen. Again, very similar to, to Boston here in one line that really drives uh, the scoring here. The concern for me uh, is the depth outside of that. Now, they have um, a lot of guys that I think can move up and down the lineup, but there's nobody here other than maybe Nazem Kadri that I would say is a lock for this second line. And part of that is because Brandon Saad is uh, you know, expected to be uh, out for at least the first game of the postseason, if not longer. I think his absence hurts them you know, right now. Uh, most recently, they went with youngster Alex Newhook on the second line with Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky. Valeri Nanushkin is one guy who could move up into that spot. I do like Tyson Yost as a third-line center. Um, I just don't see him as a, as a top-six contributor. Jonas Donskoy uh, rounding out that group. They also have Carl Soderberg as somebody who can move up and down. The lineup could move over to center. So they have option injury to, to Brandon Saad, I think, uh, really hurts the depth of this team and makes them that much more dependent on that top line. Um, you know, obviously they have been all year and, and throughout the time that they've had that trio of guys. But I think, uh, you know, without Brandon Saad, it, it really comes to a head there. Defensively, there's some concerns here uh, injury-wise as well. Lineup right now. 
that's going to stretch them. Now there are indications he could be ready to play on Wednesday or Thursday as kind of a final tune up for the postseason, And that would be huge for them. Uh, I, I like the depth they have. They've got Kale McCarr and Devin Taves uh, as the first pair. Ryan Graves, and here's where Sam Garad would normally fit in. They've been using Connor Timmons there, uh, and I think that's a decent stand-in, but not somebody I necessarily would want in that spot during the postseason. In the pipes, unfortunately, Devin Dubnik picked up an injury. We know Pavel Francouz has been out all year long. Uh, Devin Dubnik actually is, is uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Right. That's his his reason for being out, which could mean an extended absence. You know, it depends on, you know, we're not obviously going to speculate, but, you know, a COVID, a positive COVID test for these guys has been everything from as soon as they test negative, they're ready to go because symptoms were minimal to they've had weeks uh, to recover and get back up to speed. So it's going to be Philip Grubauer as the number one option without Dubnik there. Uh, I, I have serious concerns if something would come up with Grubauer. I've talked about not being thrilled with Jonas Johansson as a pickup for them uh, as the number two. So they're really going to have to hope that Philip Grubauer can go uh, the whole way here and doesn't have any sort of drop in performance because I don't think they have a good alternative. Exactly. And I think the key thing here is the status for Brandon Saad. You're going to miss some physicality that he brings to the table too, as well as his scoring ability. And they're going to need that if they eventually match up with the likes of the Vegas, Vegas Knights or even the St. Louis Blues in, in the in the postseason. We'll see how that, that winds up. Uh, but uh, certainly he's a guy that I think they'll definitely miss. Nazem Kadri needs to get off the offensive schneid that he's been uh, suffering through for much of the last month and a half. They're going to need his productivity to increase, and then he, he should uh, bring along Nichushkin and Burukowski on that second line as a credible unit. That first line, though, is the one that carries the mail and, and is the expensive DFS play, but uh, when they are clicking, they're one of the finest lines in the league. Makar may be underrated in some quarters, AJ. I'm finding that he's not named with some of the other top defensemen that we've seen all season long. But people forget what a great rookie season he had last year. It was marred this season a little bit by injury. But in the past six weeks, he's been really scoring up a storm and at the top of the scoring list when you talk about offensive-minded blue liners. So don't sleep on him. Graves has kind of come along in that regard as well. And Gerard and Byram represent people that, that can move the puck as well. So great puck-moving depth on the back end, as well as some good physicality with the likes of Nemeth. And uh, and uh, Eric Johnson, if he can get healthy, would really be a boon to these guys as well. But you mentioned it, that Philip Grubar is a guy that they're going to lean on very heavily as they don't have a viable second option. I don't expect Dubnik to be back in time to help this club in the first couple of rounds, AJ. So they'll have to get through the division playoffs with only one goalie that's carrying the mail here, and that could be a bit of a challenge for them. Uh, a bit of a concern if they match up against Vegas, who have that great one-two punch in the nets. <clears throat> one team that will also be carrying uh, their hopes with one goalie is a guy that you've maligned for years, AJ, and we'll start start there. <laughs> but uh, Mike Smith is a guy that's had an outstanding season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets nominated for the Vezina Trophy when you consider his numbers, 20 wins, 6 losses, and three shutouts, a 228 goals against average, a 924 save percentage. He's really, really dialed back the clock. 
I just don't know. Can he carry a heavy load in the postseason? I mean, he's play, appeared in 38 games this year, so maybe I just, uh, 30, 31 games rather this year, so maybe I just answered my own question, but I have a little bit of doubt as uh, maybe the first round, second round, the, the schedule gets a, gets a little bit tight in terms of the games and days played, so Koskinen might be called in to just give, this, uh, give Smith a bit of a blow here and get him a rest maybe one game if they can afford to do so, but how do you like what, the role that Connor McDavid is on right now? It's just ridiculous, the video game numbers that this guy's put up this season, and it continues right up until the last game. A pedestrian effort against Montreal, and he still gets two points. So uh, just a fantastic year, one that measures up with the greats of the last 30 years. I'm talking about the likes of of Lemieux and Gretzky. Uh, That's the class that McDavid has put himself in. And the guys that are lucky enough to play with him on the wings, Yessi Pugliarvi's had his career revived, partner. And and uh, is, is starting to finally look like he's worth that high first round pick. I mentioned that before in an earlier episode. And Dominic Cahoon is a guy that you know a little bit about with his stop in Pittsburgh. He's been playing top six minutes here too, and gets the plum assignment on the left wing of the top unit. But uh, make no mistake, the real partnership with McDavid is when they get the chance to play with Drysaitel. They put him on a second line to center it right now to kind of stretch the offense out. I think it's a good call. Those two guys will be front and center on the power play, though, and that's where the real lightning strikes for this club. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a guy who's playing out his uh, option and will be a free agent uh, this offseason, is a guy who's another top uh, pick uh, in a a recent draft by this club that is finally living up to expectations and in a big way and Kyler Yamamoto is the right winger on that second unit uh, cheap DFS value play but alongside Dreisaitl uh, and Hopkins a good place for him to land with his offensive skill set seems like James Neal is back in the good graces here he's lining up on the third line and they're hoping that he's had some playoff success before and maybe he gets excited about this time of year as a veteran and could help drive that third unit with fellow veteran Alex Chason who brings the the grit on that group and Ryan McLeod I suppose a serviceable center but I'd like to see I'd like to have seen a bit of an upgrade in that position I think that's where this this lineup starts to get thin AJ at center quickly behind the dynamic duo and uh, then we go to the defense and Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry both of them have had outstanding seasons they look like they're scheduled to play together uh, on a top pairing uh, with Dmitry Kulikov and Adam Larson playing that shutdown role in a second pairing. And then youngsters Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear uh, getting some minutes in a third pairing role. They, there's some promise in each of these two guys, but really they're hoping that the lion's share of the ice time can be handled by the top four. As I mentioned, Smith will be supported by Koskinen and the Nets. That's the way I shake it down, AJ. There are a couple of bumps and bruises that you can touch on with Zach Cassian and how important he might be for this club and any other people that uh, you want to comment on in this regard for the Oilers. Yeah, for the most part, uh, you know, overall, I think they're they're guys that are out of the lineup, uh, with perhaps the exception of Zach Cassian. Um, uh, at, at this point, are are like you said, bumps and bruises, kind of minor pieces. Gaetan Haas, Joachim Nygaard, uh, you, you know, Chris Russell does play like eighteen, nineteen minutes a night. Uh, more of a defensively minded guy, so certainly you'd rather have him in than than not. And it sounds like he could be available for the postseason, but. Um, you know, Oscar Kletbaum, obviously we knew he was going to miss the entire year. So no surprise there, but yeah, it, I have not heard any updated information on whether or not Zach Cassian will be ready to go. 
Um, you know, he's not expected in the regular season. He has begun skating. So that's certainly a step in the right direction. And look, you mentioned James Neal. I talk about this all the time since he joined the Pittsburgh Penguins back in 2010-11 season. He's never missed the playoffs despite playing for <laughs> Pittsburgh, Nashville, Vegas, Calgary, and now Edmonton. This guy just, you know, he hasn't played as many games this year. He's been a healthy scratch plenty of times this season. Um, but for whatever reason, what you know, if this guy's on your team, he, you're playoff bound. It's, it's a near <laughs> lock there. So uh, now I will, I should also point out, uh, no Stanley Cups on that record at all. So, <laughs> you know, there, there is something there as well. Um, but you know, I, as you said, this is, uh, it's going to come down to, to what version of Mike Smith they get. Um, he has been a lot better this year. I don't think he's been Vesna trophy better, Paul. You look at the top of this list and you're, I mean, the, the three guys that should and almost certainly will be nominated for the Vesna are Vasilevsky, Grubauer and Fleury. They've played more games than, than anybody else. Um, you know, they've racked up more wins. Their numbers are just better. The shutouts are there. Um, so I, I just don't see him fitting into that group in part because he played, you know, he played more than 11 less games than Andre Vasilevsky. So I just don't see that happening in Florida. Uh, you know, we are seeing a team that does have some injury concerns, uh, that are a little more alarming than some of the other ones we've really mentioned here. Uh, I'll start with the fact, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau would be the biggest one uh, day-to-day label as of yesterday with an upper body injury and, and the reason he didn't play last night. Um, no real indication there. Patrick Hornquist continues to be out. He's been out for a while. This is another guy that would factor top six, uh, you know, top nine for sure, but probably top six. And then you've got uh, Sam Bennett, who they traded for and had been really one of the one of the top acquisitions, I think, at the trade deadline all season long, uh, or, or on the back half of the season here, just because he came in and really seemed rejuvenated by joining Florida, and the injuries continue on the back end. Obviously, uh, Aaron Ekblad done for the year. Uh, There's no surprise there. But then they also pick up the injury to Brandon Montour, again a player that has some offensive talent here. Um, you know, has chipped in four points in twelve games playing about 20 minutes a night that's really going to stretch their depth defensively so uh while Edmonton had you know kind of minor pieces that that aren't really haven't been a factor much of the year for Florida you're talking about some major major guys out of the lineup right now and it's led to you know Carter Verhege uh taking the top left wing spot with Alexander Barkov and Anthony Duclair on the other side that's fine. I have no real problems with that line. Uh, I, I think you may do with it. The problem is that the second line now, I would think, is normally uh, a third line. Frank Vitrano, Mason Marchant, and Owen Tippett. That's a third line. I mean, in some cases, it might be a fourth line. I'm being, you know, to be totally honest here, you figure Huberto's in the in that top six, Bennett's in that top six, Patrick Hornquist could be there as well. Then a third line of Ryan Lomberg. Uh, Alex Weinberg and Aleski Hepanemi. I think I got that right. Hepanemi. But so, yeah, there's some serious concerns uh, that those injuries are just going to give them just not enough, enough depth there. Uh, Gregory, uh, Gregory Denisenko could be a player that would factor as well in the top nine. Also Nikita Gusev, who they traded for 
as well, kind of uh, been in and out of the lineup, but he has some offensive upside in my opinion and could factor in as well. If these guys continue to be out for any length of time on that blue line, you've got Gustav Forsling and Mackenzie Weger making up your top pairing, Marcus Nutavara and Anton Strawman, the second pairing. And I'll go to the third pairing on this one and keep Yandel and Radko Gudis. Cause I do think they're relatively interchangeable Montour coming in uh, would obviously be a big boost for them uh, in, in terms of, of the minutes there. In the goals, I have no idea, Paul, who's going to start game one of the playoffs for this team. I mean, an argument can be made across the board. Look, Chris Dreger has had a really good season, 14, uh, uh, 14-6-3 with three shutouts, a 2.07 goals against average. Nothing to complain about there. Spencer Knight has been phenomenal making his debut. Again, it would be a bold call to put a, a young uh, 19-year-old netminder in to start, but this is a guy that went 4-0. In his, in his four appearances, 0.919 is the save percentage here. And I haven't even mentioned the $10 million man, Sergey Bobrovsky. How do you pay a guy $10 bucks to not be your game one starter? Um, he's, you know, only 19 wins on the year, so that's certainly a concern. The goals against average is almost pushing three. He's got the highest of the three netminders. So I'll be perfectly honest with you uh, at this point. Hopefully we'll have more clarity by, by Friday. But at this point, I, I can't tell you who's going to be the starting netminder uh, for game one of the postseason here. Yeah, I think they brought him in to be the guy. I'll start there, AJ. And I'm not the biggest Sergei Bobrovsky booster. People who have listened to the show for the last few years will know that. But I think he's done enough to say, okay, they can put some trust in him. But you indicated quite rightly that Spencer Knight has made a big splash here. And, and big enough, I'd say, that he's he merits consideration in the starting goalie situation for the postseason. Chris Dreger is a guy that's been pushed to the side. And I think this has as much to do with the season. Seattle Kraken is anything else, AJ. I know that they don't think they can afford to keep him in the team's structure, and I think that he's a guy that definitely be be available. So why would they want to ride him in any way, shape, or form to increase his value uh, and and may draw more eyeballs onto him? So they're just hoping that that uh, the top two guys here will be Bobrovsky and Knight to uh, to get them uh, advancing in the postseason. Where I struggle though is off. Let's go back to the offense for a bit. I look at the right wing and I see Anthony Duclair. I have some faith in him. Uh, he's had a nice year for them and fits in well with Barkov and Verhage on a, on a line that's been very good offensively. Barkov has had yet another spectacular season as a, an underrated top line center in this league, but you look at his point totals and measure up, they measure up with any first line pivot that you can think of without the, with the exception of maybe McDavid and Matthews. I'll put him in, in a second class right behind those guys. But then you look at the depth at center, they're looking at a guy like a Mason Marchment. Uh, if, well, Sam Bennett, uh, the news that I got, AJ, is not as dire as you might have thought. He was just rested uh, last game, so I think he's going to re- retake that second-line role. Marshman looks like more of a depth player, so you can flip those guys around and assume that Bennett will take his regular shift in the second line with Frankie Vetrano, who's a pretty good offensive specialist, I'll say, on the left wing. And Owen Tippett may be sl- coming into his own. He was a recent first-round draft pick that has uh, taken some time to develop, but I like what I've seen out of him this year. He's had 
uh, kind of a, an interesting uh, surge in scoring, 18 points on the, on the regular season. He only had one in seven games in his first look around the NHL a couple of years ago, then spent some time in the minors and uh, come back as a 21-year-old this year to to kind of make a stamp as a scoring line winger. And I like what I see out of him uh, for sure uh, in that regard. I also look deeper into this lineup. Alex Wenberg is probably a, a decent third line center more known for offense than defense i'll suggest and he had that good offensive year with 17 goals and 12 assists his best uh goal total as a pro and uh pretty good numbers all across the board in terms of the plus minus being positive is a good sign too for your third line center and uh but but the depth on the wings is is my concern in the bottom six Grigory denisenko has been good in the last month he wonder if he can keep it up when the serious shooting starts heppen looks like just a filler uh, until they figure out what to do with denisenko and gusev on the right wing aj and gusev was a really nice pickup uh, a couple of years ago he was a dominant force in the khl and uh, bounced around the nhl a little bit with new jersey and now in florida a good depth piece on the bottom six could move up if Tippett falters or or somebody gets hurt on the right side, I suppose. On the left wing, the hurts uh, are, are the concern there. And Jonathan Huberdeau is, is out for an undisclosed injury. They're hoping they get him back in the playoffs, but they're not as sure about Patrick Hornquist. And he's just the type of ready forward with, with an offensive presence, particularly as a net front guy on the power play who they look for uh, when he's healthy. And he's not right now. And so that leaves a big hole there. I like the the depth on defense that you highlighted, and you're quite right to go three deep in the pairings here. Gudas uh, plays a very physical game. Strahlman, a very good shutdown guy. Nutavara, the same thing. And then the offense is in the hands of uh, Keith Yandel and Mackenzie Weger. So they've got something for every need on that back end here. And uh, I, I'm quite impressed with the group. And I think it's a big reason why they have come and threatened to be a, a, a real contender in this division. So uh, a lot of good ingredients here in the Florida circumstance, AJ. Up next, we look at Minnesota. And the Wild, this is a team that started slowly, but boy, when they pick, picked up speed, they never really stopped. And uh, the, they became an offensive juggernaut, which is something that we have never described in the history of this show when we think about the Minnesota Wild. you got Jer- Joel Erickson X, who's had a very nice season and emerges as a top-line center here. And uh, Jordan Greenway and Marcus Foligno, guys that have normally been depth players, they, they too have increased the offensive productivity of their game great greenway 31 points and felino with his physical presence coming up with 24 including 10 goals so uh, not not the fantastic offensive totals there but uh, serv- certainly serviceable guys and uh, i i like the second line with feet which features my vote for the rookie of the year carol kaprizov who's really put the uh, some more dynamics into the offense when you think about this team's offense in the past year you only thought about Kevin Fiala but uh, with Kaprizov and Fiala they've got two of the better left wings in in uh, hockey uh, on this roster uh, dotting their top three lines and and that's really a key uh, change that has caused this offense to kind of find a new gear with those wingers on one side Matt Zuccarello uh, one of the better playmaking wingers I keep highlighting in that regard He's had trouble staying healthy, AJ, and that's a bit of a concern for me with him. So if you're planning on drafting him in pools, be aware that 
He's not uh, not the most durable guy, and uh, while the offensive numbers are pretty good in terms of points per game, it's that games played department that is a question mark for me. Victor Rask is a guy who's finally emerged as a credible uh, offensive piece here and uh, reached double digits in goals for the first time in a couple of seasons, and uh, I think that's only scratching the surface for, for what this guy can be with his skill set. So uh, that's my look at this team, AJ. What do you think about... Uh, I left the goaltending aside because I want you to dive in starting there and uh, tell us what you think about this team. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the thing to like most about this team, I, I think, is the, the defensive uh, certainty, right? Ryan Sutter, Jared Spurgeon, uh, Matt Dumba, and Jonas Broden. Like, that is mm-hmm. that is a solid four-pack. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've talked in previous seasons. We'll talk in, in upcoming shows about – you know, whether or not that this is one of those teams that might consider protecting uh, four defensemen, uh, you know, depending on, on what else they want to do, because that is just such a solid group. Um, and I, I love Ian Cole as, as a third pairing guy. Um, he's he's very solid as well. But in, in between the pipes, I mean, look, we, it has to be Cam Talbot for, for game one. I, I know. Um, Kapo Kakinen has put together a really decent year. Um, he's had a little bit more ups and downs. Yeah, maybe you look at the last five games for Cam Talbot. There's a little bit of a concern there. You know, still manage a 2-1-2 and two record, so getting the team wins, um, but did post a, a 3.92 goals against average over that stretch, so a little higher than, than you would like there. Um, but, you know, you could partially chalk that up to his fatigue. I, I, I think he's really just had a resurgence here um, this season. I think it's a good option for them to have, right? Like thinking both in this season and long-term, you have a guy, a veteran guy who's had a good year of resurgence is certainly capable of carrying it into the postseason. And then you've also have your net minder of the future and Capo Kakinen, you can protect him a little bit, um, ease the, ease the workload to start. So I, I think it has to be Cam Talbot to start the year or start the postseason, but I do think it's a short leash. Again, you want to look at most recent performances. Talbot's been carrying the load, playing the bulk of the games, but in the four appearances uh, Kako, uh, Kapo has had, they're all wins. Uh, 2.74 goals against average in those last four games. So there's, there's reasons to use him, but I think you have to do Cam Talbot to start. In Montreal, uh, goaltending is also going to be kind of the focal point, and, and I'll start there. Carey Price is not going to play. They, there was some indication that maybe he'd be ready to go Wednesday and get a game in ahead of time, but all, uh, all reports now are that he will not be available for the last couple of games here this season, and that means the first time we're going to see Carey Price back in the nets is going to be a playoff game when his last appearance came April 19th. That's, that's a big concern for me that the, the first time we're going to get him back is because of that. And they're also going to be without Shea Weber, Philip Deneau, and Brendan Gallagher for the last games of the regular season here. Again, indications are they could be ready to go for the postseason or, or even should be ready to go. And then you have to toss, toss in, uh, you know, that we don't have a lot of details. Jonathan Druin is still uh, on, on that leave of absence granted by the team and, and designated for, for um, you know, long-term injured reserve because of that. Again, there's no clear indication if, that, if something's going to change there ahead of the postseason. I think all three of those guys factor into the top nine, absolutely, possibly even in the top six. Obviously, Shea Weber 
will be their power play quarterback on the number one unit when he's cleared to come back. So these are major, major injuries. And I think there, there's some answers here, but you've got Tyler Toffoli, Nick Suzuki, Yoel Armia anchoring the first line for them, Thomas Tatar, Jesperi Kottenemi, Josh Anderson on the second group. The third line currently breaks down to Paul Byron, Jake Evans, and Arturi Lekkanen. But there are, are some veteran guys and a youngster that could factor in here. In the fourth line right now, Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, obviously they brought him in. I don't think they brought in Eric Stahl to be a fourth line center. Um, that that's a little confusing to me if I'm being totally honest. And then the rookie Cole Caulfield on the right for that fourth line, any one of those guys could move up and down depending on when, if, and, and how Brendan Gallagher, Philip Deneau and Jonathan Drew come back on the back end without Weber, you've got Jeff Pet, uh, Petrie leaving the leading the way with Joel Edmondson as his partner, Brett Kulak and Ben Sherratt uh, as the other options. Again, interestingly, Eric Gustafson, who was a, a deadline acquisition of theirs as well from Philadelphia, hasn't played in their last six games. Uh, so a bit confusing why you're going to bring in a guy to just kind of sit there, especially when you figure that, you know, Shea Weber's out. There should be a, a lineup spot for, for a guy like Gustafson. So a little bit of an interesting choice there. But it'll be Jake Allen uh, right there, ready and raring to go if Price is not for, for game one of the playoffs here. AJ, I uh, I think I wonder what the Canadians are thinking in their dressing room. They are a team that probably doesn't fear the Edmonton Oilers like some of the rest of the teams in the division. And the, I don't know if that goes into their thinking uh, of trying to get a win last night. They, they took the Oilers to overtime in a really good game. And the third line you mentioned, Paul Byron, Jake Evans, and Arturi Lekkanen as a trio had their best game of the season in that tilt and uh, got the Canadians to that point that they needed to get to the postseason. But uh, guys that are missing in action for them are the ones that are uh, still playing on the ice, in my opinion. Jesperi Kotkaniemi, I mean, I've, I've kind of maligned <laughs> this guy forever, but the offensive totals, he's 21 years old. I'll say that for our friend in Las Vegas, uh, real kid poker, Daniel Legrano, always grinds us when we talk negatively about him. But 50, 20 points on the season for this guy. He's not yet taken the next step offensively in his game, in my opinion, and he needs to do that to solidify that second line at center. And uh, and right now it's a bit of a gap because Philip Deneau is out of the lineup as well. That's That just underscores the need for something to happen in the middle of the ice behind Nick Suzuki, who has continued his development as a pretty nice piece in the top six here. Tyler Toffoli and jo- Josh Anderson, both of these guys have slowed down in terms of the scoring pace that they started with early in the season. In fact, Josh Anderson, I can't – I think I, I started shaving uh, – when he made when he got his last goal it's been a long long time AJ and uh, Yoel Armia is a guy that will bring a physicality as well as a scoring touch to this team they're going to count on him to help drive that first line in the playoffs when the going gets a little bit tougher so all in all uh, there's some there's some promise on that top unit Thomas Tatar is another guy who his scoring has tailed off uh, in in recent weeks he finished the year with 10 goals on the season. They expected probably more than that from him. Uh, so there are question marks that dot the offense uh, in the in the top six. And you wonder, Cole Caulfield is a guy that they're going to they're gonna show off probably when they have the extra man. This guy looks to be the real deal offensively, but I don't know if he has a 200-foot game. And you can't expect an 18-year-old kid 
to have that going uh, at, at this stage in his early development. I think he might be a little bit older than that. I might be underselling him that way. But uh, certainly the two gray beards here, they've gone in different directions. Corey Perry's been a useful piece for them, in my opinion, AJ. But Eric Stahl has been uh, left me wanting more. Uh, just hasn't delivered much of anything uh, at the, in the middle of the ice. I think they were looking for him to be uh, at least a threat for second line meds, if not third. But he's mired in an offensive slump and really... Uh, I don't think he can keep up with the pace of play. That's the short answer there, uh, in my opinion. Uh, offensively on the back end, Shea Weber needs to come back to help Jeff Petrie because aside from those two, they don't have an answer offensively. Eric Gustafsson really hasn't made the grade and uh, from the trade, trade deadline, really hasn't done much. More of a depth piece there. Alexander Romanoff, they were counting on this guy to show an offensive game. Uh, youngster has uh, found a little bit of tough sledding in the early going in his career and uh, fits in nicely, though, as a third-pairing guy. He brings some physicality to his game and partnered with a defensively sound John Merrill. That's a credible pairing there. Brett Kulak and jo- Joel Edmondson, these guys are the, the, the warriors that you're going to need playing a tough game and keeping the front of the net a minefield for opponents that venture in there is their number one job, So, along with Ben Sherratt. So they have a few big trees on the back end that will make the going tough in front of the net, but... Uh, this team's success is, is hinging on the goalie situation, in my opinion. Carey Price has to come back, and he has to come back in top form. Anything short of that, and they're going to be fodder for the first-round opponent, regardless of whether it's Edmonton or Toronto. Uh, Jake Allen has uh, started to wilt a little bit, in my opinion, under the pressure of the number of games that he's played in a row. And Caden Primo certainly isn't the answer. He had a cameo against the Maple Leafs, and they shelled him for four goals. The kid looked stunned when he came out of the net, and it was a tough thing even for me to watch the way that he was kind of fed to the Lions in that one. So uh, Carey Price needs to come back. That's the short answer for me in, in Montreal, AJ. Then we go on to the next team we're looking at, and that is the Nashville Predators. The Preds are a team that also showed more of an offensive upside than when we expected. I put them in the same class when I think of Minnesota. And, and Nashville, I kind of think they're interchangeable parts, AJ. I don't know if yeah, that's your opinion, but uh, let's mix it up a little bit here. And I'll, I'll start with the goalie situation. You take the D and then I'll, I'll finish up with the forwards because you haven't talked for a bit here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll start off with the goalie situation. You see Saros is a guy who's clearly overtaken Pekka Rene in the nets here and is full value for the season he's had. A microscopic 2.28 goals against average, 9.27 the save percentage. And a very nice one-loss record. You might say he's in that second tier of Vezina candidates that behind the guys that you mentioned earlier on in the show, AJ. And uh, Pekka Rene, the vener- venerable veteran of, uh, of uh, this club, he has all the goalie records uh, of note, but has clearly seeded way, the, the way uh, us moved aside so that Saros could assume that number one role. But a pretty good guy to have in reserve. On the back end, this is a team that uh, has... Some some big names that are out of the lineup, but they're all rest situations for the most part. AJ, I'm talking about Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, and Matthias Ekholm. That's a pretty nice trio, and they'll all be protected pieces in advance of the Seattle draft. Uh, that's how important these guys are to this team. They're no doubters. And there may even be a fourth when you consider a Dante Fabro, who is part of maybe the next wave of super defensemen in, in, in this team. I think he's going to be something in the next couple of years i see a big upside for him so a really nice quartet there eric with branson and matt benning uh serviceable third pairing i'll say but uh, 
why don't why don't I leave the rest for you? Take us through the forwards <laughs> and give me your thoughts on the D and the goalie. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, right now, uh, in terms of injuries, they they also rested uh, Kelly Yarncrock and, and Luke Coonan also got some some rest uh, last night, which you know is never never a bad thing. The concern is Victor Arvidsson. Uh, that was not a rest situation for him missing Monday's game. It's the fifth straight game that he has been out now. That's not to say he's been uh, a powerhouse for them lately. You're talking about a guy that's bogged down in a seven-game goal drought, has put a decent number of shots on net over that stretch. Um, but, you know, you, you're talking about a guy that in a normal season, they're expecting to be 20, 30 goals. He only has 10 this year, um, and, and that's certainly a disappointment for, for them, and, and actually only 15 last year. So it, it carries into last season as well. They're going to need – bigger and better things from him if they want to go anywhere in the postseason. And at this point, with how long he's been out, I have to imagine he's going to end up being on the second line. Normally, you go Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvison on that top line. I think uh, with how long Arvison's been out, I think Eli Tolvanen has cemented himself as the first-line option there. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either because then it gives you a really solid second line in Arvidsson, Matthew Shane, and Rem Petlick on the other side, although actually that'll be Kelly Yarncrock will go back into that spot um, once he's back in the lineup. Luke Kunin, I think, is your third third liner here with with uh, you know some combination of Brad Richardson, Eric Halla, Michael Granlin. Any one of those guys could be third line center. Nick Cousins on the other side, um, and so they, you know, are. Arbit- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting back really gives them more depth. Um, if he remains sidelined, Luke Coonan, I think, is the lock for the second line uh, right wing for that yarn crock in, in Duchesne line. Um, defensively, you're right. I mean, Yossi, Ekholm, Ellis, Fabro, this is a, as, as solid of a four-pack as, as you see there. UC Saros has obviously overtaken Peke Rene as the number one choice throughout the year, and that'll carry over into the postseason as well. So, Paul, I'll steal your thunder here and uh, let's say let's take a few minutes here for some words from our sponsors. We'll be back with a look at the remaining playoff teams and our deep dive into the key information about each roster.
And now we'll take a look at the New York Islanders, uh, who are, you know, a, a team that uh, is a little bit more known more as a defensively stout group. But if you look at uh, some of their offensive contributors have been uh, really kind of firing on all cylinders lately. And it's not the first line, in my opinion. You're talking about Anthony Bolivier, Brock Nelson, and Josh Bailey have really been a powerhouse offensively as the second group. Uh, Leo Komarov, Matthew Barzell, and Jordan Eberle as the top line, a little bit underrated or under underwhelming, rather, uh, of late. And, you know, the third line here has some question marks because the guys that they brought in to really – uh, cement things for them, I think have been a little disappointing if, if I can say that. And that's, that's Kyle Palmieri, uh, and, and Travis Zajac. Zajac, of course, now, um, was out Monday as, as a healthy. Great. Uh, I think, in, you know, they're, they're chalking it up. I, I think as like, Oh, a rest game for him. But you're also talking about a guy who's pointless in his last six games. I mean, maybe this is just a straight up performance, healthy scratch option here but if that's the case if he's out of the lineup you're looking at Kyle Palmieri on the left Jean-Gabriel Pajot in the middle and then potentially Oliver Wallstrom on the right hand side although there's a couple other names that could uh, factor in there guys like Ross Johnson Austin Sarnak could move over Um, so really uh, I I love this second line here the first line needs to be better if they're going to get past the Penguins in in the first series and I do think this third line is one that could honestly match up with a Penguins third line I know I'm getting a little bit into you know the matchup talk and we'll (laughs) dive in more on Friday but I I really I have talked about uh, JG Pecho all season long and, and the fact that I really love him as a third line center defensively uh, it's an underwhelming group who who uh, is a bit of a, a no name no name squad, but their their focus under Barry Trotz is defensively, and and that's what they do. And Adam Pellich, Ryan Pollock as the first pairing, Nick Letty, Scott Mayfield as the second, Noah Dobson, Andy Green as the third. I don't think we're going to see uh, too many guys pushing for bigger roles here. Maybe Thomas Hickey gets a game. Maybe Sebastian Ajo gets a game. Not the one from Carolina. Uh, the the defender one here in the nets all Simeon Varlamov all the time Ilya Rokin really uh, I think uh, you know a, a disappointing season is what I think you have to call it uh, thirteen six and three it is a winning record three shutouts um, but I think at least for me I I expected him to challenge Varlamov a little bit more for for starts throughout the season Varley for his part nineteen. 11 and four, seven shutouts, the most in the league this season. And that speaks to the defensive character of this team, which is what we're going to see moving forward. But don't in your pools, don't sleep on guys like Bolivia, Nelson and Bailey, who have been lighting it up of late. They, they have offensive pieces here. Yeah, but you know, you've said it quite well. This is a team predicated on a defensive structure. Nowhere is it more evident than the goals against average. While you malign Sorokin, his, his goals against average is uh, paltry, 217. But it, it, even that pales to Semyon Vardamov, who's just a shade over two. These are like soccer goalie stats when you look at the, the Islanders set up here. And that's because they are a defense-first team. And it's uh, also evident in the numbers offensively from the back end. The only guy that's over 20 points from the back end is Nick Letty, who finished with 31 points on the year, 11 of those on the power play. 
but uh, the rest of the guys are, are all in shutdown mode, and it's going to be tough to score. I don't, I don't expect many high-scoring games in that series between your pens and this club, AJ. It's going to be maybe soccer scoring is what we're looking at because the teams are both <laughs> defensively very sound. I won't go into it in more detail until Friday's show. Remind our listeners to come back for an episode of podcast on Friday when we really do the deep dive and look at the matchup uh, between the units on the respective clubs. But to finish up the talk on the Islanders, I've been concerned about their lack of depth on the left wing. That's been a recurring theme for me. And uh, while I like Leo Komarov as a player, he's miscast here as a first-line winger. But that's where he is by default because other than Beauvillier, uh, who's who's held up his end of the bargain, you've said it very well. Kyle Palmieri was thought to be a guy that would fit into the top six here, but he really hasn't. He got a goal last week, which is a rare bit of news since he arrived on the scene here from the trade deadline. They're expecting him to do much more than a goal every month uh, to, to solidify the offense. You mentioned as well, I like the one-two punch at center with Barzal and Nelson. That's a real highlight of this team. And uh, Everly and Bailey give him a credible look on the right side. Two guys with a very high hockey IQ, two of the better puck-moving wingers. And puck distributors they're more known almost as pass first guys on the right wing and that's why they've got real good snipers in the middle of the ice to close the deal and in nelson and barzell it's usually the flip side where you see playmaking in the middle and scoring on the wings but here they got it flip-flopped and uh, peugeot is probably a guy who has a, an ability to do both pass and score and really ideally suited if you're looking for an offensive piece to drive a third line he's your man and uh, so it's a, the depth here offensively at center is is the most impressive part of this team and i can't i'd be remiss in, in uh, not mentioning the fourth line which is uh, the top fourth line in the league in my opinion with matt martin casey zizekas and cal clutterbuck there they put you in a whirlpool and they blend and blend and blend uh, hitting you uh, repeatedly this is a, a a line that forces you to keep your head up, and so uh, they can play the defensive side of the game as a shutdown group as well, a real luxury for the for the Islanders uh, going into the postseason. Now we get to your Penguins, AJ. I'm going to keep my comments brief because I know you're going to have a lot to say about this club. Hey, Paul, did did we skip did we skip the Flyers here? Oh yeah. wait, they didn't make the play. Oh, he had to get oh, the shot. No. He had to get the <laughs> shot in, folks. For those of you that's AJ Scholes two four at Twitter for the Flyers fans. <laughs> send their hate tweets to AJ and I know he was chomping in the bit that that was a team that we thought would make it to the postseason maybe lead this division and here they are on the outside looking in and my buddy is just smiling like like the butcher's dog Uh, we mentioned the goaltending situation Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith nicked up a little bit AJ I think is is the story there and Max Legacy is a third guy that you hope doesn't get much action in the postseason (laughs) I'm sure but you got to talk to us about the goalie situation when I throw it back to you in a sec. Chris Letang, while he started slowly and, you know, you were a little bit tired of his act at one point, uh, you got to be happy that he finished the season with 45 points and a plus 15 to anchor this defense. And I can't believe what you said last week is true, that Cody Ceci is a guy that, that you feel a little bit of faith in because he was just a black hole in Toronto. But you're going to chime in on him again. I know you, you're impressed with what you've seen out of him this year. And uh, I wonder where the offensive hopes on the back end ride beyond Latang. I think Marino and Pedersen are two guys that should be able to contribute more than they did in the regular season. So I got a lot of questions for you on the back end. Not too many on the front end, as long as Gany Malkin is healthy behind Sidney Crosby, still one of the best one-two punches in the middle of the ice. Jason Zucker starting to come around. Jake Gensel, one of the better snipers on the left wing in the league, in my opinion. 
Rust and Kapanen leave me a little bit wanting on the right wing uh, offensively on the depth chart. Jeff Carter fitting in like a glove as a third-line center was a real smart acquisition by this club, and he's done nothing but score uh, since he joined them. Jared McCann, a Swiss Army knife uh, that I put up against the best utility forwards in the league, uh, is uh, looking like he lines up on the third line as well, so it gives it a pretty good look. I think you'd like to do better than Freddie Gaudreau on the right wing on that group, but that's my opinion. So that's my quick uh, thumbnail on the pens. Why don't you give us the deeper dive? Gosh, Paul, you couldn't have said more things that I just, you said, and I was like, what are you talking about? And it starts, you know, (laughs) I'll I'll start with the stuff you actually wanted me to comment, but it's a few other uh, little things in there you tossed in that that your takes on this, just so wrong. (laughs) I wanted to fire you up. (laughs) you you mentioned Cody Cece. Look, you know, his numbers um, in Ottawa, offensively decent, you know, 17, 19, 20 a couple times, but the plus minus atrocious, right? Minus 11, minus 27, minus 22 in a couple years. Comes to Toronto. The plus minus is a positive while he was there, but the offense completely dries up. Just eight points, a plus seven. It seems like he finally here in Pittsburgh put those two things together. 17 points in 53 games. You're talking about a guy that would have reached probably the 20-point mark in a full season. The plus-minus, the best of his career at, at plus 18. Um, and so really, yeah, the one thing I'll, I'll note here is his minutes are lower than any time since his rookie season and I think that's a, a, a situation that the Penguins want to be in. He's averaging 18 and a half, and, and I think that's good. If you can have a guy goes out, does his job, and you're not expecting him to put up big minutes, uh, I, I think that's really a, a, a positive thing. The one thing you said, Paul, Brian Russ leaves you wanting for offensive. Like, tw- is 22 goals in a 56-game season not enough? Like, you're talking about a 20-goal scorer. Uh, six game winners, which is a career high this year, 11 power play points while being with the second unit, which doesn't get a lot of ice time. When you have Crosby and Malkin, those guys usually eat up about a minute and a half, pushing two minutes of a, of a, of a normal power play. So I don't know what you're talking about with, with Brian Russ leaving something. It must be bad apples here too. You're dogging Cody Cece. You're dogging Kasperi Kapanen. Look, 11 goals in 40 games. That almost matches his total from last season, which was 13. And that was almost 30 more games that he played in. Another guy who's plus minus is a plus 15 this year. Uh, I'll take that any day of the week. Third straight 30-point season for this guy. You want to knock on on Freddie Gaudreau? I actually think he's been the perfect fit on that third line. And I don't see how they leave him out of the postseason. You're talking... Comes in late, plays in just 19 games for the Penguins this year, 10 points over that stretch, including a current three-game point streak that he's on. I think he's the perfect fit to play with Jeff Carter and Jared McCann. You're absolutely right. Jeff Carter, a great addition. The poor guy needed one more game this year, is going to end the season at 399 in career goals, and will have to wait until next year to hit that 400 mark. But him... And Jared McCann have done a great partnership. And Freddie Gaudreau is a solidly defensively smart player. Uh, So I don't know. It must just be that you hate on all these Toronto guys once they leave. Uh, You know, you you give Phil Kessel a hard time all all the time after he's gone. So clearly there's some bias once these these guys leave Toronto. I don't don't know what you 
being here. AJ, I had to stand up for the Flyer fans who listen to this pod and been very good to us. The way you maligned them, I thought I had to had to take a take a shot at you for that. So that was my motivation. <laughs> but you you're right. Uh, you know, not to continue talking pens, but you're right. If and Melkin, if it's anything more than just a minor precautionary thing, that's a major concern for them if he's not available for game one. Brandon Tanev is trending in the right direction. He will be uh, on that fourth line, I think, with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese, and he will drive that that line. And then the goalie situation. Uh, having your one and two net miners dealing with injuries uh, is never a good thing. Max Legacy, for his part, put together a really solid game in his like one appearance this year that happened to be the game they needed to win to clinch, clinch the division, uh, puts out a shutout performance, 29 saves. It's not like they even went out and played defensively in front of them and the guy faced only like 19 shots or something. A 29 save shutout in his only NHL game of the year. But let's hope that's the last time that the Penguins fans uh, and, and I have seen uh, Max Legacy in the nets here. I'll go on to St. Louis and, and start with, uh, stop with the, the, the Penguins Love podcast here. Uh, the Blues... For their part, there's there's a lot to be a little bit concerned about here. Uh, you know, Sammy Sammy Blay did not travel with the team for their most recent trip. He's been out four games. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko did travel but didn't play yet. Uh, was out Monday or last night as well. He's missed his last four games. And, in fact, he's missed six of the last seven with an injury. We know he came into the season late. And that really stretches the depth. You know, uh, Oscar Sundquist is out. Uh, Alexander Steen is out. Those are long-term injuries we've known about. So right now you're looking at Ivan Barbashev, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron is the first line. And that keeps together the Schwartz-Bozak-Shen line, which I think is pretty good um, as a second group. Mike Hoffman anchoring their third line to try and stretch out some scoring with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. The, you know, the concern here for Hoffman is only one goal in his last seven games. Really, that's not good enough for what if a guy is going to anchor your third line. So they may have to consider, you know, maybe they switch Barbashev and O'Reilly to give, you know, Hoffman a, a, a better center option here. Defensively, there's injuries here as well to Vince Dunn, who's been out for a while. Jake Wallman, Nico Mikola, again, stretching the depth now they Tori Krug back. That's a good thing for them. Returns after a five-game absence last night. Was back on the power play, played 20 minutes, so it seems like everything trending in the right direction there. He'll pair with Justin Falk, Marco Scandella, and Colton Pareko as the second group with Vince Dunn sideline. And it's going to be Jordan Bennington or bust for the St. Louis Blues. I don't think we're uh, expecting too much out of them if they're going to have to trot out Billy Huso for any games here. 8-6-1 in his rookie year, played 16 games, 3.43 goals against average, certainly not good enough to be a postseason starter. Yeah, I'll focus on my comments, brief comments on the center position. First of all, Ryan O'Reilly almost approaching career bests in goal scoring in a, in a schedule shortened to 56 games, reached 24 uh, goals 
This guy's been more of a playmaker for much of his career, but really lit the lamp consistently on the season and ranks with the top centers in the game. Uh, a two-way specialist uh, in the offensive side was right there with the defensive side all year long. Tyler Bozak is a guy who's moved up in class in the last month, AJ, and now is listed at the number two center on merit because of of the strong scoring streak that he's been on as well. So the offense is really going through the two guys in the middle of the ice right now. Robert Thomas really ideally suited as a third-line center. You're right, Mike Hoffman is a bit of a guy that I thought would be a bigger factor in this offense, but uh, he couldn't rise into a top-six role on a regular basis for this club uh, as I thought he could. So uh, I expect uh, the bouncing around that he's done in his career will continue this offseason. Jordan Cairo, maybe the uh, one of the two younger guns in the offensive mix here on the top line, solidifying uh, the top three lines, solidifying the top nine forwards here, in fact. And Zach Sanford is the guy they have in reserve who was a power play, uh, playoff specialist during their uh, cup run a couple of years ago. So the, they have some depth with him and Kyle Clifford, a guy who brings the physicality uh, on the left side as well. And on the defense, uh, uh, Justin Falk has had a nice bounce-back season here. And Tory Krug, one of the better offensive scoring defensemen in the league, moved down a little bit in terms of that expectation, uh, delivered a little, little bit less than, than I thought he would. Uh, but nonetheless, they are armed with two of the better offensive also offensively talented blue liners in the league. Colton Pareko and Marco Scandella, a really credible second pairing that, that uh, can play it any way you like with the size and, and skills that they bring to the table as well. Uh, Steve Santini and Robert Brutuzzo uh, give some experience and, and physicality to a third pairing as well that I like. Vince Dunn being out of the lineup is a precautionary measure, in my opinion. He's a guy that could be a bit of a wild card here and can move up to a top pairing role and be a factor even on the power play. So keep an eye on his situation as well. And you said it correct. It's Bennington or Bust in the Nets there. We move over to the next club, the defending champs from Tampa. And boy, will they be fortified in the postseason. They have rested Steve Stamkos for the last couple of weeks, and Nikita Kucherov has been out much of the season. That this is going to be uh, resulting in a bit of a change in the rules, I think, in, in the new the new season that comes up. The way they they kept Kucherov out of the lineup all year long on LTIR and manipulated that uh, they were one team like Toronto was another that really manipulated the cap. And I think that they're going to close the powers that be at the NHL are going to close the lid on that, so we don't see a repetition of this going forward. But uh, they're they're loaded for bear offensively here on the on the Tampa lineup. Braden Point uh, delivering the goods offensively once again. Yanni Gourd, Tyler Johnson. That's a good look at center in the top three. Uh, Alex Kalorn, undervalued, I will say, as a left winger on the top line here he's been a real good foot soldier uh, for much of his career but in the last couple of seasons upped his game offensively and i really like what he's brought to the table as an undervalued dfs option all year long anthony sorelli is another guy that can move from the wing to center as a very defensively responsible guy who's found an offensive aspect to his game blake coleman another guy who's been a star here as a, a physical player who solidified the top nine offensively ever since he arrived and uh, so a pretty nice look offensively here up front defensively uh, it begins with Victor Hedman but he's nicked up right now with a lower body injury and it, I didn't like the way he left the ice when he got hurt I saw the incident and to me AJ cause for concern here if if the big guy is not able to play his 25 minutes a game the way he can because I think he's the best hands down the best defenseman in hockey when he's healthy 
but he may not be as they enter the postseason. Sergachev is another guy that's being tasked to carry the offensive mail, and learning from the best means that he will be, I think, one of the better defensemen in hockey for years to come once he gets a couple more years under his belt and continues that uh, learning curve trek. Jan Ruta and David Savard solidifying the, the group with a solid second pairing look. They can play at both ends of the ice, good puck movers and good in their defensive end. But then the third pairing a little bit thin, in my opinion, uh, as long as they miss, uh, if they miss Ryan McDonough, another guy who's out with an upper body injury, that ice time will fall to the likes of Freddie Clayson and Luke Shen. And uh, while they are serviceable, I wouldn't want to give them more than about 10 or 12 or even 15 minutes top end uh, a game in that mix. In the Nets, Andre Vasilevsky, period, end of sentence, best goalie in hockey. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you know, Paul, I don't, I don't have much to add. Obviously, the injuries are concerned. Um, I, I do want to take a moment to uh, mention something that happened last night, a historic night for the Tampa Bay Lightning, as uh, three black players in Daniel Walcott, Matthew Joseph, and Gemmel Smith started the game in what is believed to be the first all-black forward line in league history. So really great to see some diversity on the ice uh, and, and the, the Lightning starting those guys in, in the game. Obviously, the hope would be, uh, you know, most of those guys wouldn't be playing if every if everybody's healthy. Uh, Walcott was making his NHL debut um, because of all those injuries, but really a, a big moment for the league last night, and, and I just wanted to highlight that. I'll take us in to a brief uh, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, as Paul will no doubt want to uh, talk about them. Maybe it's my turn. I'll talk about how terrible Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner is with some crazy, crazy takes. No, I mean, look, this, uh, this team has uh, – I'll talk a little bit about the injury concerns that, that they have in, in Nick Foligno being out, um, Riley Nash, Zach Hyman. All these guys obviously uh, are, are a big piece. And, and Nick Foligno's absence means Joe Thornton moves to that first line with Matthews and Marner. Well, you asked me to begin with my goaltending thoughts. I, I can't recall a possible first-round matchup if Montreal and Toronto face each other where top two goalies haven't played in the last month. I don't foresee that on the Toronto side, though, because Jack Campbell has done more than enough, posting a 17-2-2 record, AJ, to merit that first game start. Uh, he's been a key part of all of those wins, uh, making key saves. In certain situations, he's really on top of his game and uh, has not shown a, a chink in his armor, I will say, in terms of being a steady all year long. And I really love the guy's infectious attitude. He's always tapping his players on the pads when he makes a save and they're nearby and really has built, uh, has helped to build a really good, strong team feeling here. Consider one thing here, AJ. My team has not been a high-flying team and top of the standings for much of their history, despite the fact they've won 13 Stanley Cups. This is the best season in Toronto Maple Leaf history in terms of win percentage. I was stunned when I found that fact out. And they're neck and neck with your Penguins, and our dollar bet's going to come right down to the wire, it looks like, uh, AJ, as a result. So we'll keep an eye on that and report on it on Friday, perhaps, with the final score. But in terms of the full analysis of the Maple Leaf Club, their success offensively has been begins and ends with the pairing of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, which aside from Dreisaitl and McDavid when they're together might be the most potent dynamic duo in, in all of hockey this season. They're both in the top 
six scorers in the league and uh, Matthews cracking the 40 goal mark I didn't think anybody would come close to 40 goals on the season but there he is on pace for 60 plus in the regular season we haven't seen those numbers since big Mario did it in Pittsburgh I don't think and so that's that's how long that's been and uh Joe Thornton is listed as left winger on that top line. I think he's a placeholder for Nick Foligno, who is skating with the club at practice and looks to me ready to take on that role again. If it's not the first line for him, it'll be the second line because Zach Hyman will be another guy who comes back healthy and fits into the top six. So they have the rugged physical presence of Hyman and Foligno back in the postseason just in time for the serious shooting. I couldn't be happier about that. Gives the offense a real good look. With On the second line, John Tavares, who was maligned in some quarters, early on in the season he's going to finish with around 50 points again he's at 49 i think and 50 point season for him puts him in the top 30 scorers in the league so what's everybody complaining about there i'm not really sure and uh, willie nylander has kind of come out of the doghouse for me and uh, and looks like a key part of this offense on the right side uh, uber skilled winger and he's starting to bring it every game and that's what i like to see from him the third line alex Ker- alex kerfoot is kind of a guy that doesn't get too many mentions but he's played very well for the club as well a guy who's responsible at both ends of the ice gets some penalty killing time which is an ideal look for your third line center a good distributor a great skater and solid defensively and then uh, a lot of options on the on the third line joe thorne pierre engvall Ilya mikhaev wen simmons they got a wealth of talent to look uh, look to even riley nash who hasn't played all season long was a trade deadline acquisition and another another salary cap manipulation that could factor into a defensive role on that fourth line as well as jason spezza so lots of depth offensively the back end has really benefited from the steady play of T.J. Brody and Jake Muzzin, both making $5 million plus and really worth every penny for what they bring to the table. Brody is a guy, you mentioned Cody Cece, you never hear his name mentioned. That must mean good things. The same definition applies to Brody, and he's been just steady Eddie and uh, got the best out of Morgan Riley, who, for my money, is one of the better two-way defensemen in, in hockey. So that's a pretty nice look on the top four. They're hoping to get Zach Bogosian's toughness back in the lineup, too. That will help on the back end. Otherwise, it's youngsters Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren who could see some minutes some limited minutes, but uh, I think there's a tremendous upside for both of these guys. So things are looking up uh, with the Maple Leafs. I was on a recent show uh, on the Las Vegas Sports Information Network, AJ, I'll tell you, and they asked me for a Stanley Cup prediction. I just held up a Leaf sweater. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I talked a lot there. Why don't you start us off with Vegas, AJ, and I'll get you back into the groove here. Yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, the biggest kind of question for Vegas going into the the postseason, I think, is who's going to be the starter and do they consider doing a goalie split? They've been doing a rotation throughout the year, um, you know, one one on one off. um, But I do think in in recent outings, uh, I would argue, although people know that I'm a little biased here, I would argue Marc-Andre Fleury has looked better than Robin Leonard in their most recent outing. So for my money, if, if I'm Pete DeBoer, that's who I start. I, I would go with the flower for game one um, and ride him through the playoffs. But it, it, it is certainly a possibility that we see a, a full goalie share carry into the postseason. I, it, it would be kind of unprecedented, but it's a big question that they have to answer. In terms of the, the, the skaters here, you've got an injury to Max Pacioretty. Uh, that's a, a, a big concern for them. He's missed their last five games. He certainly would be a top six factor for them. 
defensively, you're also looking at an injury to Alec Martinez, who's, uh, you know, missed uh, Monday night's game with a, with a foot injury. So that's um, something to watch as well. So if Pacioretty is available and healthy, I think your top six is looking like Jonathan Marchessault, Chandler Stephenson, and Mark Stone. Pacioretty, I think, goes in where Matias Janmark is right now on the second line with Willie Carlson and Riley Smith. Uh, the bottom of this lineup is where I start to question. Part of it is Ryan Reeves has been out. Uh, Thomas Nosek is dealing with an injury. Uh, Alex Tuck, <coughs> Nicholas Roy, William Carrier, kind of, and, and Matias Yamar kind of figure out that third line overall. But, um, you know, the center depth has always been a concern here. They've gone with Chandler Stephenson pretty much all year long as a first-line center. I think they'll continue to do so, but if I were trying to address this team in the offseason, that's where I would look. On the blue line, you've got Braden McNabb and Alex Petrangelo as your number one pairing. It would be Shea Martinez as the number two if Martinez is available to play. Otherwise, you're going to have a couple of guys in Zach Whitecloud, Nicholas Hay, and uh, you know even Nick Holden kind of factoring in for, for some minutes there, but really um, – those are kind of the big issues, Those the Pacioretty, Martinez injury, the, the two biggest, and then obviously figuring out who's going to start in goal for the Knights. No question. And, and I gave my Stanley Cup prediction away, but this is a team that I think will face the Maple Leafs in the final, if I can jump ahead of myself a little bit. But uh, the depth that the, the Knights have, top to bottom, is possibly unequaled in, in uh, the, the Western Conference of the NHL. And, and uh, there are on the top of the standings in the league on merit. This is a team that's really loaded for bear. In the Nets, you say uh, Fleury or Leonard. That's a really good dynamic duo. Maybe, uh, I think, for my money, the best dynamic duo in in hockey. I already, already made my case for Shea Theodore as a, a solid bet to, to rival uh, Victor Hedman for the Norris voting. I think he'll be one of the, for the three names in that grouping. That's how good a season he's had. Petrangelo's offensive numbers have been a little bit shy of expectations, I would say, but uh, in, in overall a two-way game, they they are a really good one-two punch on that back end. And uh, Breda McNabb, Nicholas Haig, Zach Whitecloud, Nick Holden, all these guys are not, none of them are offensive threats, uh, but Alex Martinez might be a really good value play in DFS. He has a bit of a minor foot injury and uh, I think he'll be healthy when the postseason rolls around. So uh, I think that gives them a pretty nice top three, uh, big three, if you want to call it, uh, on their back end. So a really solid group in Vegas has the team, has the fans all excited. This is one team, too, that might have all their fans in the stands in the postseason. Can you imagine the, the home ice advantage? That would be A.J. In any case, we'll, uh, we'll uh, get to the end of the list here with Washington now. Uh, second in the Eastern Conference, but a team... If this, this was a music, uh, the old music charts, AJ, with uh, an arrow up or an arrow down, this would be a, a team with an arrow down. They're, they've got a lot of injury concerns, not the least of which are their big shooter, Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom on the top line. They're both listed as day-to-day. Evgeny Kuznetsov out of the lineup as well. TJ Oshie listed as day-to-day. These are hurts. They're not the people that are sitting out for uh, uh, rest purposes so that's the real concern there even john carlson uh, nursing a lower in- lower body injury so you can't name other players that would really cause more of a concern here on a depth chart uh, around the league and and that's where a uh, real 
issue is uh, emerging for Washington at the wrong time of year. Uh, if things were on the up and up and things were normal, this would t- be a team that I think would be a strong contender for a deep run in the postseason. But well, this is not the way you want to start. They also got a bit. They got, they got a bit of a boost though at the trade deadline with the arrival of Anthony Mantha. He's had a real good run of of success here, fitting in seamlessly and finishing the season with 29 points after starting slowly in Detroit. Really found his groove and fit in, as I said, in the Washington mix. Connor Sheary, ex of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, fitting in on the second line here, offensively on the left side. Lars Eller probably should be a third line center if Kuznetsov gets back. That's where he's properly cast i would say and then uh, the enigmatic tom wilson what what uh, is going on between his ears these days you have to wonder he if he gets his head on straight he's uh, a unicorn in the nhl a very physical guy who could score with uh, top, some of the top wingers in hockey but uh, i wonder how his recent shenanigans have marred uh, messed with his mindset on the eve of the postseason so that might be just another addition to the question marks offensively in the back end dimitri orlov has been a guy that's taken a bit of a step up in class uh, to assist John Carlson in terms of carrying the mail offensively. Justin Schultz, another guy that you know a little bit about, has had a very nice year in Washington as well. Ditto for Brendan Dillon and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, two, two good shutdown guys. And then Big Z, Zidane Chara. this is his time of year. So really the strength of this team, the way it looks right now, might be in the defense. They they have a real good six-pack on the back end. Behind them, Vitek Vanasek has emerged as a very credible option to Ilya Samsonov, who he himself has had some disciplinary issues, injury woes, and they may turn even to Vanasek very early on in the postseason, AJ. Lots of question marks in, in Washington. Do you have some of the answers? Well, the one thing I'll, I'll mention is uh, I, I don't think uh, what's happened recently will affect Tom Wilson at all. I don't think he gives a rat's behind about any of that stuff. And he's going to you know continue to go out and, and try and hurt people um, is my is my blatant opinion on, on his game and his mindset uh, based on you know everything that, that I've read and seen about that whole situation. And, and he just does not care. Um, and the, the team supports that, but I'll avoid getting into too much of a, of a Wilson rant there. <laughs> I, I do think, uh, I do think even if Ilya Samsonov comes back, um, is cleared off the, the COVID protocol list here. I do think we're going to see uh Vidic Vanasek take game one. He he's kind of outperformed Samsonov of late 20 wins on the year, 10 losses, uh, you know, four overtime losses, a pair of shutouts and, and really, decent numbers for him so I, I would be surprised if if Samsonov were to just you know immediately jump back uh, and get a look here they obviously they've got Craig Anderson uh, you know as an emergency option as well if, if needed uh, obviously they haven't needed him he's only played four games this year that's a pretty light l- workload for him uh, hasn't seen that few games since 2006 uh, when he played in just five as a as a 25 year old so um, he's, he's an emergency option if they need it, but obviously the, the key is having, as you said, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshie, Carlson. Those are like the five biggest names on this team in terms of offense. So they're going to need to get as many of those guys back as they can in Winnipeg. Uh, you know, things are, are, uh, a bit of a concern for them. They've really kind of floundered on the back half of the season here. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, uh, Nikolai Ehlers being out of the lineup. That's been a big one for him, for them. He started skating 
uh, recently, but no clear timeline on, on when he might be able to go. I think they've misused Paul Stastny and Pierre-Luc Dubois trying to fit them both into the top six. Um, and right now they've got Paul Stastny on the third line, but they've got him on wing again. Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, when they brought in uh, PLD, I thought, great. The center depth here is clutch. You know, Shifley, PLD, Stastny, third line center. They're good to go. Um, and they just continue to move these guys back and forth to the wing. And again, part of that because Nikolai Ehlers has been out. Um, but I, I really think they need to kind of figure out what they're doing there because the top line should be pretty solid. But I think the shuffling has even caused havoc for these guys. But in the postseason, we should see Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler as the first line. Right now, we're looking at Andrew Kopp, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Matthew Perot as the second line, Mason Appleton, Adam Lowry, and Paul Stastny as the third line. And I just don't like how they're deploying these guys, and, and I have some real concerns there. On the back end, you have to talk about Neil Pionk being injured. He's their key focal point on the power play. Three goals, 28 assists this year, and not having him will be a significant loss in terms of their ability to, to produce with the number one power play unit. Josh Morrissey will obviously step into that role, um, but he's got just one point uh, in his last uh, 12 games. Obviously, that's not going to cut it for them either. Uh, so not having Pionk available is, is a concern. And then obviously, Connor Hellybuck, you know, his play this year has been underwhelming. They, you know, they may have been completely resting him. He did not dress at all last night. Um, so maybe it was just a, a, a full rest situation and we'll see him back playing tonight. But if it's any sort of injury, that's a big concern for them as well. You can talk about how Buck struggles this year, but you don't want to be going in to the postseason with Laurent Brossois as your number one netminder for sure. I think you'd rather have a 75% counter Hellybuck than than a hundred percent brossois yeah well we had to go through this whole list and get to two teams that i thought would be at the top of the the league at the beginning of the season but both are really dealing with some serious injury issues and concerns as you suggested with their lineups but but uh, the alarming thing that you highlighted that i fully agree is the deployment at center i couldn't agree with you more uh, pierre-luc dubois and paul stastny are have been centers for much of their career, but they've been moved back and forth. Dubois, though, really hasn't fit in uh, in any way, shape, or form since his acquisition here, and that's been the stunning thing for me because I remember seeing this guy in the playoffs last season, and he had a 200-foot game that was the equal of almost anybody you can name, and then this year, it's just gone MIA. He's a minus player. He barely got 20 points in the regular season, so just a shadow of what he normally could be, and that's put a lot of pressure on the likes of Shifley and Wheeler, who are used to pressure and handling the offensive load the good news for the, the the Jets is that Wheeler is back and has been scoring very well of late and they want to see the same outcome for Nikolai Ehlers when he gets back and healthy but he's just skating by himself right now and so that's a bit of a concern there on, on the on the win position and for their scoring leadership and another guy who has slowed down a little bit offensively is Kyle Connor uh, when you think about the offense of this club these are all key centerpieces and uh, there's uh, there's more question marks around them as well 
You mentioned the back end, Josh Morrissey, the only credible offensive piece, uh, as long as Neil Pionk is out of lineup. Tucker Pullman is out as well, but it's an undisclosed injury. He's expected to be back. So uh, a lot of big names uh, with with concerns here, just as they were in Washington. And uh, Connor Hellebuck, too, uh, maybe the biggest of all. you got to wonder what's going on. In his head, he's really struggled down the stretch with one win in his last seven or eight starts, and uh, he needs to be right in order for this team to have any chance going forward. In any case, we'll remind our listeners that we have a full playoff matchup preview show planned for Friday. Look forward to that uh, as a, a extra episode of of our program, and we'll be monkeying around with the schedule with the postseason on on the verge of uh, showing up, and we'll keep you up prize with that keep following us on our twitter feeds but before we leave you today we've got to give you a dfs segment aj uh, you handle the DraftKings stuff and i handle the fan duel why don't you tell us what uh, you have on your DraftKings board for tonight's two game slate well with just two games then you have to look at the matchups you have boston and washington uh, which is going to be a tough matchup either way and that's a game you could see going either way i mean that could be this game has all the potential. It could be Boston in a route. It could be Winnipeg or uh, sorry, Washington in a route. It could be the two teams in a shootout. It could be the two teams in a one nothing game. Like there's all the pieces and all the makeup with injuries. Um, so for me, as far as stacking, I'm leaning mostly towards uh, Winnipeg going up against Vancouver tonight. They've got the better matchup here, and I'm going to load up on that top line and hope they can find something here into the postseason i use mark shifley at 6900 kyle connor at 6700 and blake wheeler at 5800 which is a really discounted price for blake wheeler in part because he's had some some you know down numbers this year uh compared you know he this was a guy two and three years ago hit the 90 point mark uh just 40 this year won't get to 20 goals for the first time since 2012 um, so his, his price reflects correctly on what he's done this year. I just think he's capable of doing so much more. And so I, I like taking him in that option. Uh, I am going to go kind of mini stack with the second line for Boston. Uh, I like David Krejci has been really pairing up well with Taylor Hall and you can get these guys in on DraftKings at a relative discount. Krejci 4,900 Taylor Hall 5,600. As far as my utility guy, I'm going to go to the other side of the matchup. Anthony Mantha comes in at under 5000 4900 for him. I think that's a really good price for a guy that could potentially find himself. We'll have to wait until after morning skates here, but could find himself with Backstrom and Ovechkin back uh, in action. And I think that makes him that much more valuable if he's playing with those two guys. Defensively, I'm going to take one each from that those two matchups. I am going to take Justin Schultz. I know there's some, uh, you know, his power play minutes would be drastically decreased if John Carlson does, in fact, play tonight. But Schultz should still be out there with the number two unit, has added some offense of of late, um, has dealt with some injuries, so a little banged up, but plenty of shots on goal when he gets those power play minutes in. And I like him at just 4,100. Now, I don't have a lot left, so I looked at the Boston options and who's playing the most minutes in the price range that I'm at, and that left me with Brandon Carlo at 3100 tonight. Uh, um, I, you know, I I know Matt uh, McAvoy offensive piece doesn't do a ton of scoring, um, but his shots since returning from injury, you're looking at 12 shots in four games since returning from injury. That's a pretty decent floor. 
for a guy um, that that is only going to cost you thirty one hundred. So it is a bit of a throwaway piece, but a calculated throwaway. Um, and then in goal, I have penciled in right now Eric Comrie. Uh, the Jets are coming in from a back to back. I don't know if uh, if Connor Hellubuck is going to play tonight. Laurent Brossois went last night, so Comrie would be the logical choice here. Um, I would have to do some significant shuffling of the lineup because if Hellubuck does play. I'm about $100 short of being able to put him in. So I have Comrie tentatively in right now. I would probably flip Carlo, um, you know, maybe for like a Nick Jensen uh, for Washington or or even uh, a Camper or Kevin Miller if either one of those guys plays in order to get Hellybuck in. So, um, you know, there, there's some shuffling that might have to happen if, if Hellybuck's going to play for me tonight, but Right now, that's where I'm landing, uh, anticipating Comrie getting the start. AJ, you're, uh, the number of names that you mentioned and the flip-flopping that might be necessary is indicative of what you're looking at typically in a, a small slate like this. You've got to get it right, and you want to wait till more, there's more full information on some of the injury status. I look at the injury situation of Washington. I look at the injury issue of Winnipeg, and I think both of those teams are going to be on the losing side. I'm picking Vancouver to be a key part of my matchup tonight. Uh, this team has nothing to play for except uh, maybe up, upset Winnipeg's uh, seeding in the postseason and so they might be find some motivation in that and want to finish up on a, on a strong note but they also have the upper hand on knowing that they have a goalie situation that is a little more clear than the murky one that Winnipeg has and that's where I'll start I put Braden Holtby in the nets for me this guy's a pro's pro and uh, he'll want to have maybe his last start of this season in Vancouver be a successful one so I'll make him the anchor of my team and regardless of which goalie they pick they're both priced at the same so uh, keep an eye on that situation you'll be paying $6,800, which is cheap value in my estimation for that matchup. Then I go to the forward center position and I say Patrice Bergeron, regardless of what's on the line, he's going to be a guy that shows up and against uh, the suspect nature of the Washington offense, I think he has a big chance for a good night here. So I'll put plug him in and partner him with David Pasternak as one dynamic duo that I have going. Then another one that I'm looking at is Vancouver in the top six forwards. I'm going to put a couple of them in the mix up, up at the top end too with JT Miller, a guy who's had a very nice second half of the season being a, a leader of a Vancouver offense and playing very well of late. I plugged him in for $6,300. That gives me some flexibility to spend up to get Pasternak and I'd go cheap to get Tanner Pearson another guy who's playing first line minutes for Vancouver and played very well down the stretch as well fanning their fading playoff hopes as best he could was his uh, contribution he's only 4600 bucks I go with the pair of defensemen who kind of lead their teams in a way offensively certainly in in Vancouver uh, Quinn Hughes has been the centerpiece of their back end get him in there for $5,400 I don't, don't normally pay up that high but this guy's been consistently a part of their offense going forward uh, in the last six weeks and uh, one of the better scoring defensemen on the season I'll say all told Matt Grizzlick has uh, number two in terms of the depth chart of offensive defensemen in Boston. I get him in there for four grand as well against that suspect Washington situation. I got to plug in at least one Boston defender. And then I round out my uh, offense with a pair of Winnipeg Jets. I can't go all Vancouver or Boston, so I plug in two Jets wingers and Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor who have been central to any uh, success that these this team has had offensively. They're both key parts of a power play. Can you imagine if Winnipeg's power play lights it up tonight? I'll be looking really good with those two guys in the lineup. And I did mention that Holtby would be my goalie of choice. 
AJ, I'll remind our listeners that we're planning a special edition of our show on Friday of this week for a full matchup preview of the playoffs. But what we try to do is go through and, and show our listeners what the teams look like heading into the stretch. What do things look like for you as we head into the final week of the regular season anticipating the playoffs? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, getting ready for, for the playoffs. Um, you know, trying to, we're going to have some, some playoff preview content coming out um, on Rotowire. So getting those articles ready to go and, and on the site and available to help with both uh, your, you know, your pools and, uh, you know, your betting options as well. So look for that content coming out on Rotowire. Uh, myself and a couple of other guys will be chipping away at that throughout the rest of the week. Great job. We'll look forward to catching up with you on Friday of this week on the next edition of uh, Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. That wraps up our look around the league for this week. Thanks for listening to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. It's Rotowire's signature uh, fantasy hockey podcast, as you know. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to Puckcast to get our tips to stay to the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. We'll see you Friday, folks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.